Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. I don't know quite how to start this. I could start it with a spectacular sentence, but I'm not going to. I'm going to just work it up a little bit. Criminal courts. Courts, generally, in the province of Ontario and likely beyond, are in disarray. Today, right now, at this moment, because of staffing issues and health concerns with, within the courtrooms. So why is that a story, Roy? Why does that matter, Roy? Well, it matters because cases are not being heard as they're scheduled. And it matters because hundreds of criminal cases, and maybe more, maybe thousands, may be thrown out because of not meeting the required timelines from charges being laid to a trial concluded per the Supreme Court Jordan decision of 2016. So let's go a little more spectacular for a moment here. Might an accused, charged killer walk free? Yep. Not the first time this has been an issue. In 2017, that's not so long ago, folks. Let's see, let's do the finger count. Six years ago, a report by the Senate Standing Committee on Legal and Constitutional Affairs revealed tens of thousands of criminal cases may have to be thrown out for the same reason, because they did not meet the Supreme Court's Jordan decision of a year earlier. This is where I reach to my very good friend of more than 30 years, anything and everything I know about the Canadian justice system, I've learned from him, Scott Newark, former Alberta Crown Prosecutor, former Executive Officer of the Canadian Police Association, Vice Chair of the Ontario Office for Victims of Crime, and Senior Policy Advisor to the Federal and Ontario Public Safety Ministers. So, Scott, in language we can understand, which you're really good at, not getting us caught up in legalese, what is the story here? Well, the first thing is that um, I agree. You and I have been talking about uh, the, these, shall we say, justice system performance issues for decades, and they're, they ebb and flow, and the latest reporting is showing that in Ontario specifically, there is just a, an, there an absolute chaos, is the word that one reporter used. And there are many, many systemic reasons. And look, it is complicated. But um, for, for me, the original uh, sort of piece of hypocrisy, glaring hypocrisy, was the Supreme Court of Canada's decision in the uh, Jordan case, as you mentioned, in 2016. Um, because, you know, think about it, folks. You always hear the Supreme Court saying, oh, parliaments, you know, you can't do this. You're interfering with judicial discretion. And so, you know, that's unconstitutional. Discretion isn't the cornerstone of uh, our system. And then they turn around and arbitrarily set specific presumptive timelines for cases to be processed. Like, you know, as I say, the word that just strikes me about that is uh, hypocritical. And, but that is the reality of today's world, is that we're in a system where people, you know, have to, uh, prosecutors, uh, judges, 
theoretically are attempting to make sure that they meet those timelines, because in our criminal justice system, which is an adversarial system, right, there are two sides. The And, and you know, this is our system, so it's, it's not something to be uh, uh, downplayed, but the uh, responsibility of defense counsel is to help their clients avoid criminal responsibility for their actions. Yeah, so, so delaying so, it is one of the best ways they can do it. Yeah, so Scott, when people say, well, that, that, that could never happen, they wouldn't be setting people free who are charged with murder or sexual assault. Yes, they have. After the Jordan decision and before the Senate committee hearing or report came out, you should know this, ladies and gentlemen, that there were... More in, in addition to, there were more than 200 criminal cases in Canada, including those being processed against people in, accused of murder, charged with murder, charged with sexual assault, charged with being drug dealers, charged with uh, crimes against children. They were walked because... The decision was made, well, you didn't get this case done in the appropriate period of time, so we're setting this individual free. Bye-bye, charged with murder. Bye-bye, charged with sexual assault. Bye-bye, charged with drug trafficking. Off you go, and we apologize for not appropriately and quickly enough uh, dealing with your case. It happened again and again yeah. and again and again. And just two, two quick points about that is that... Um, you know, there is in the Jordan decision, it's not an absolute uh, uh, timeline. The courts do have discretion if there are exceptional circumstances. Um, and so, you know, that's something to take into account. But um, one of the things that struck me there was an earlier ruling called Stinchcomb, uh, relatively shortly after the charter was passed in, I think, 1983, that said that the Crown had a constitutional obligation to make disclosure to the accused or their lawyer about what the case was against them. Now, I happened to work in an office with that had a really brilliant guy as the chief crown prosecutor, and he had put that as a policy into place that we were supposed to do this. But as we said after the uh, that case came out, uh, most defense counsel were asking for disclosure in the hope that they wouldn't get it. So they could then claim that there was a charter breach. And our system has become so process-focused, okay? And over the years, and the Senate report that you've referred to is a really good description of these kinds of different issues. In my experience, I think we've lost some of the cornerstone principles, which is the, the public officials, police officers, Crown prosecutors, uh, judges held discretion, and it was it was not a one-size-fits-all system. You took a look at you know the uh, unique circumstances of the case, but it, it used to be that process was supposed to serve purpose, mm-hmm. and now it's the other way around. By the and, way, I should let people know that the unreasonable delay period is if uh, you don't conclude a case. If it's uh, 18, I think it's 18 months in provincial 18 court. 18 months for right. summary conviction offense and 30 months for uh, an indictable offense, yes. Okay, so so you charge with murder, you charge with murder and you're walked, you're sent home. 
Yeah, and there are so many systemic issues because, you know, in our Constitution, the uh, jurisdiction for making the criminal law resides with the federal government, yeah. 2127 yeah. of the Act, but the responsibility for the administration of justice resides with the province. Okay, so let's bring this back to its genesis, shall we, for this time in 2023. This is happening because they don't have enough staff. Yeah, I saw that in the uh, in one of the articles. This is that, happening because they don't have enough people working in their courtrooms. Yeah, that's why. <laughs> that is to me. That's not mind boggling. That's mind numbing. Well, I'd like to. I hope that um, you know, in, in our current environment, especially with all the provinces coming together about this, uh, you know, need for quote bail reform, which is much bigger than just bail reform. I hope that this will also lead to those kinds of systemic analysis of the situations about if there is a staff shortage, why? Exactly. Are people, uh, you know, deployed efficiently? Maybe what we should do is transfer money, because guess what? The longer a case goes on, and by the way, folks, that yelling you may be hearing right now, this is from the defense lawyers out there who are screaming at what I'm saying, but um, the longer the case goes on, the more the lawyer gets paid. So there's obviously an interest in that. And one of the recommendations I made years ago was let's take the money that is a part of legal aid that is where we pay lawyers, private lawyers to handle the cases and put it into full time legal aid public defenders, because I think we get better efficiency in the system. Right, Scott. Uh, there's a lot of things that need to be done here, but this reporting, and, and by the way, I keep in touch with my friends in Alberta. Uh, you were quite correct that this is not unique to Ontario. Different provinces may have different issue. problems, but I think uh, this reality points out the need to have that kind of systemic analysis and to actually make the changes that will help to improve okay. it because it, the justice system does, is not the private preserve of judges and criminals and their lawyers. It's a public system and it belongs to the public. So, so we need to take it back. So, by the way, the, the Supreme, Court, Supreme Court decision was five to four. So there were four Supreme Court justices in 2016 who disagreed, but they got overruled five to four. Now, so we're talking about what's going on in the justice system of this country. We could have Again, hundreds, maybe thousands of charged people charged with violent crime, including murder, sexual assault, being walked because their cases are not handled as quickly enough, according to the Supreme Court decision of 2016, the Jordan case. Then there's the issue of NCR, not criminally responsible. NCR has been a national headlines creating reality for some time. Once again is in British Columbia with Premier David Eby saying he's white hot angry over the release of an NCR psychiatric patient, Blair Evan Donnelly, who stabbed his teenage daughter to death, I think in 2006 and last weekend, also stabbed three people at the Light Up Chinatown Festival in Vancouver. Making news as well this week, Matthew DeGroot of Calgary, who stabbed five university students to death at a Calgary house party in 2014. DeGroot was found to be NCR two years later because of an undiagnosed schizophrenia and was sent to the Alberta Hospital in Edmonton, where he is still receiving ongoing psychiatric treatment. Last year, the Alberta Review Board assessed DeGroote as a continuing significant threat to the public, not entitled to an absolute discharge. Now, Mr. DeGroote is appealing to the very 
aforementioned Supreme Court of Canada, in order to gain a conditional discharge with additional freedoms. Not criminally responsible. NCR, Scott, what do you say? Well, back in my day as a prosecutor, we used to refer to it as insanity. Um, and I had a couple of cases where I got uh, some introduction uh, where people were applying for a court ruling that said that they were insane and thus not uh, liable to criminal conviction. Um, I didn't lose any. Uh, and But I did a lot of research actually into it. And I remember in particular this one horrific case of this woman who... Uh, was babysitting all of her neighbors' uh, kids and everything else. Everybody went bowling, and she got angry. And this little uh, child... Uh, people was, people need to think about whether they want to hear it, right? Pardon me? People need to think about whether they want to hear what you're going to say. Well, she let's just say she did absolutely brutal things to kill this kid and then tried to claim that she was insane. And so I did some research into it, and I found out that the what the process was, and that's very, very important in what's going on in B.C. right now. Um, and the, uh, the, there was, uh, it has to be uh, based on a recognized uh, mental disorder. And it was in a, the, uh, the, the profession, the psychiatric profession has what was known as the DSR, the Diagnostic and Statistical Research uh, and it was a publication, and it was the third volume by now. It was in the mid-'80s when I did that case, so by now they're probably up to the third, 300th volume. Uh, but they actually came up with this recommendation, or the, or the report had this. Uh, and by the way, the, the DSR, as it was known, I like to call it the BSR. Um, but it was that uh, there was a uh, psychiatric disorder called isolated explosive disorder or intermittent explosive disorder. Mm -hmm. And I remember in cross-examination, I said, you know, wouldn't, like most people, call that losing your temper? Scott, we'll have to pick this up again another day. The bottom line, let me just finish. The bottom line of this is that what the Premier is proposing is an excellent idea because it's an independent review of the process. Okay. Roy, I went through the criminal code and pulled out all the sections. It is there. They should be looking at... As well. Let's talk about it next weekend, okay? Got to go, buddy. Got to go. It's called a hard out. We'll talk about it next weekend on the World Trade Show. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend. 